All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live on Purim to the world. So good Purim to you. Welcome to uh, Judea and welcome to Maka Fleischer. Shalom. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Pri Hagafen. Amen. All right. Drinking a little wine on the We're show. We're going to do this show the right way. Yeah. <laughs> drinking the and, Purim way. Drinking and driving. Yes, good. Yeah. What are you drinking there exactly? Some Judean wine? Some Riesling. Wow. A Barkhan, I think. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's it is great. Purim. That is the holiday of... Uh, the Megillat Esther, it's the holiday of giving presents to fellow Jews, and also, I guess, friends of Israel are part of it as well, and also um, charity, and of course, drinking and masks, and it's really to to see that God is behind everything. That's the point of this thing. It's, it's a little bit, as they say in the psychological circles, to decenter a little bit, to kind of break out of the regular way, uh, and to see that God is behind everything. And the the Megillat Esther, one of the most incredible documents that Judaism has to offer, with so many tie-ins to 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 Joseph and Rachel and Benjamin and Amalek and all the different and the, just just these tiny, you know, it's sewn through so precisely, uh, and yet and yet God's name is hidden. It's how could that be? And it's basically the whole Megillah is God's name. It's just that it lets you see that God is everywhere. I want. I had a thought. I had a deep thought today during the the morning Megillah reading. I want to give a big thanks to Chabad of Efrat for the beautiful Megillah reading. You know, the story starts like this: There's Vashti, and there's a there's a suuda. There's a big uh, party, wine party, and she doesn't come out. And then the the girls get kidnapped from all over the kingdom and brought over to the king's palace. And Esther is schlepped over there, and she's there, and she's there, and she's there, and she's in this kind of bath and that kind of bath and and Mordechai is pacing up and down and pacing up and down what's going to be with this with my girl Esther and then finally she has to go in and be with the king and then and then uh, the king is like yeah I like that one and then they get married and Esther's there and then Haman comes in Mm -hmm. only after all that stuff do you do you ever hear the name Haman and when you talk about Hashem being absent from the Megillah you could start to read this story and just go, what a mess. What a disaster. For what is this? This is this is the story of a girl being kidnapped and like pr- imprisoned in the in the in a harem. In a harem of like an icky man, right? Forever, for the rest of her life. Like a nice girl from a nice family who's already been through so much. She's already an orphan. Right. She's already been through so much. And like and it made me realize that that Hashem, he set up the 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 salvation in motion before the problem even arose right there was no haman it wasn't like there it, was haman and then esther sal- comes in that salvation esther like comes in and then haman right but the, you're saying that the salvation itself looked like a problem the salvation looked like the problem but hashem is like a lie okay ani alze he's like i am already i have already set the thing up in rotation before you could possibly understand mm-hmm. what what i'm doing right and I got like a tremendous um, nechama from that. Like I got a real like a consolation. life consolation from that. That sometimes things seem like they don't make any sense and they're just bad and the bad thing is happening. But but it's all tied into a future that you can't possibly imagine yet. Right. And so hang in there. Right. Because you don't know if you came to the king f- to the palace for just such a moment. Mm-hmm. That's right. I remember when uh, when l'chaim, l'chaim, l'chaim. L'chaim cheers. I remember I remember when when that crash that helicopter crash happened the month before 
before Twin Towers right. was this family that a Jewish like Orthodox family right. that was in Colorado on a helicopter trip and uh, seeing you know wealthy family they were having a nice time the chopper crashed right. they all died it was, it was horrible horrific. horrible horrible and and who would have known that exactly thirty days later tens of people shim. maybe hundreds of people under th- under right. lives were saved because of them right and and I mean I mean I, I, you know you can't ex- right. You, you wouldn't. You, yeah. you don't. You don't make that into like okay, it worked out all for the good. I'm, it's right. All, it's still a terrible loss. Right. But but somehow. But they and saved yet it lives. was part of the plan. Right. right. Absolutely. Uh, Maka Fleischer, we are. It is Purim today. We're sitting on our couches. I am wearing my Viking costume. Well, you're not only a Viking. You're a you're a, a Zionist Viking. I'm uh, a see see. We kind of came up with this costume, and then I looked it up. It turns out that there is a that there is a stream of thought that says that Vikings were actually part of the lost tribes of Israel. It's called Nordic Israelism. Nordic Israelism. So I'm a Nordic Israelite. Maka, you certainly are on the Nordic track, I would like to say, okay? <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, and, and, and we don't, we don't you know, I, didn't, I don't have a lot to do with Nordicness, Nordicness, you know? You don't even like, uh, like, you know, that smoked salmon. I don't, but I do like Ikea. Yeah. And I did just tour around some Danish uh some Danish journalists mm-hmm. who That's definitely close. No, the Danes the Danes are the they're definitely the Vikings. Yeah. And and they uh the, and they were proud of their and I told them that I watched the show because of my friend Jake. I watched a show called the, the Last Kingdom. Not recommending it, but I did watch it. Okay, it's a it's a it's a pretty violent and brutal show, but uh was it's kind of real to life. Uh and it's about the the Danes and and the and the uh and, and the Brits kind of fighting it off. What language is it in? It's in English. It's in English. But you and I did watch that 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 show from uh, Norway. Remember the Norway yeah, show what that was we that watched? Called? Uh, Occupied. Yeah, that yeah. was good for the first season. Yeah, first anyway, season. let's not talk about all. All this I'm stuff. saying is we have yeah. a little bit of of Nordic, of a yeah, Nordic, a Nordic moment theme. here. Right. I wish I had a bagel with locks right now. <laughs> I'm I am also wearing a Nordic theme. I'm I'm more. You're like the kind, good Nordic person. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm, Nordic I'm like, mom. Right, you're Nordic. Just mom. getting her Nordic kids to Nordic soccer. <laughs> You know? Yeah, just lighting the Nordic fire, <laughs> you know, you know, but uh, but you know, but believing in the one God of Israel. But I'm yeah. I'm more of the uh, I'm not dressed yet, but I'm more of the conquering. Maybe we'll take our picture pillage type and thing. Put that oh, up no, somewhere. Yeah, I put up a picture. I put up a. Really oh yeah, you put picture. up a picture with your brother. Yeah, I have a picture of my brother. Both of you brother. bringing knives to shul. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah, full on blade knives. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> so there you Israel, go. Israel, Israel moment. That's right, Malka. Cheers to you, Lachaim. And it is actually on Purim. And you and yeah. I, we also. I have a custom of of really celebrating Purim as a two day holiday. Yes. Uh, so today we are in uh, Gush Etzion. Tomorrow we'll go. Right. We're in Purim, and tomorrow, with God's help, we'll enjoy Shushan Purim, because the killing happened over two days, and that's what we're celebrating. Well, r- really, really, the fourteenth of Adar is the day after the defense and victorious defense of the on the thirteenth right. of other in the in the villages, right. in the outlying places, and then on in the fourteenth in the burbs. In the burbs. Then on the fourteenth, that's when they fought in Shushan, uh, and the fifteenth is when they celebrated. Mm-hmm. So really it's a in in many ways the simple the simple read of it, it's a three day holiday. Right. There's Tani's Esther, which is where the fight was. That's what right. I realized. That's where the battle was. The big oh, battle. Right. The big battle is in Tani's Esther, so we we, we, mm. we pray for the battle. Okay? And reminds us also what we read, part of what our readings now is how Moses held up his hands and Hur uh, and, and Aaron held up his hands while, while Joshua was fighting with the Amalekites. So that's like this, like there's something just like Esther's, you know, feast, a fast. 
that she's like praying for the Jews. That's what we do mm. on 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 Tanis Esther. You know and then, what? I like? And then we have two days. We have Purim, yeah. Purim of uh, of Prazim, and then Purim of Shushan. You know what I like to think about sometimes when you say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Hashem, He is timeless. He has no beginning and he has no end. We are kind of on like a linear time spectrum. Mm-hmm. But we can't really perceive that Hashem is like all. He's everything. He's past and future and present all at once. Right. And sometimes I like to think that on these holidays, Hashem is like still exactly there at that moment of the miracle that we're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I like to think to myself that it's not just that we remember a long time ago that there was a miracle and that there was a girl and that that was her or there was her uncle slash possibly husband but that hashem is actually doing the thing now at this exact moment that he did a long time ago for us yeah. and there'll be physicists who tell you that that timeline exists right now it's happening at the same time i'm not going to get into that but yes. but i but i totally agree with you it's beyond the scope <clears throat> that's a few glasses of wine away from where but we are right the, now but that's the magic of these texts these torah holy texts they exist like God in perfection and they they are alive at this moment, just like you're saying. Right. And when you read it, you're like, whoa. And that's why there's such a there's such a whenever in Judaism you see such an absurd fanaticism about anything, know that we're dealing with very spiritual things. For example, Shita, the 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 uh, slaughtering. There's this like obsession with the sharpness of the knife, and it's like it's it's a little bit like mad. And I saw in the Kabbalistic books that, yeah, it's mad because we're talking about releasing of souls right. and all kinds of souls need tikkunim, need to be fixed. Same thing here. You have to hear every word of the Megillah and you got to be, you know, you got to be in the synagogue and hear it and then see it and all that. Kind of, why is it so uptight on this like relaxed holiday, right? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. We're dealing with just what you said. This is happening right now. Right now. You, got, you, got, right. you can't miss a word You got to give, like, you got to have a little bit of an adrenaline rush during the, like, even yeah. a tiny Adrenaline rush during the Megillah. And so I really want to give a big shout out to the people who read Megillah in communities. Yeah. I don't think that you always realize. It's not just that you yotze al yadechova. It's not just that you like get it done. The people who know how to bring the story into your heart on that very moment that it needs to get there. Those people are doing something to you that is huge right and they're doing something for you that's huge and it's like the word mitzvah it does not does not encompass it well, i think that it's like that i like- really i've been to some not so moving megillah readings and like i feel crushed when i walk out of there right. and i've been to some megillah readings that are really good and you're just like i think i just did purim like i just i was there like you know I what just, I'm saying? And it's a, it's a advice, very though. big deal. I want to give a piece of advice to yeah. people. Now, there are people all over the world. Some of them are in Jewish communities are going to hear the Megillah, and maybe they're not going to hear such a great reading because somebody goes fast. Or maybe you're in outlying places and you're not even in a Jewish community. You're not going to hear it. Here's what I recommend. Go to YouTube. Right. Okay? Open up. Even if you, let's say you went to synagogue and they did it for you, but it wasn't great. It was Okay. Mm-hmm. Go to YouTube. There are fabulous readings on YouTube. In fact, I'd love us to, yeah, to, we to put, put one on. on yeah. And it's just, they, and you know, on YouTube, the people that do it, they're like doing it, they're doing right, it Right, and full. they have time, yeah. Right, and so, and so there's great ones. And you, if you open up your book or if you have a cloth, you could follow along and it's like, it's not for, it's not right, for the It doesn't halachic. get you out of your right. obligation, I think, but it will put you in the spirit. Right, absolutely. The other thing I want to do is I want to say hi to people all over the world who are part of the story. And here's how you know that you love the Jewish people. Let's say you're a Gentile. 
when you love the Jewish people, you love Purim. Gentiles who love Purim are Gentiles who want to see the Jewish people strong, Mm. who want to see the Jewish people reveal God even when he's hidden. They want to be that. Gentiles who, who, who look at us askance, and I've seen it, on Purim, they are in secretly haters. Well, they I might have been those guys we were dealing with in Shushan. When Arya Bramwitz used to live in the old city, we once went to the old city for Purim. And I was dressed as a Taliban fighter. You were awesome. That was the best costume I had the full ever. regalia plus a true to God M16. Or, well, because you because were on, on the uh, rapid, rapid response, response team. team in Beitel. Right. I was in and so they, they issue guns after careful security checks and everything. They issue you guns. That's right. And, but I had the clip in. And you took it with thing. you. Yeah, that was that was one of the best costumes ever. It was great. And there's still pictures of You look of very Taliban. That's right. And, and, I, really and, I, and I have that in me a little bit. So, <laughs> But the point is, you is that. You You got a little pushed in here you can feel it here's the point that i'm trying yeah. to make which is i saw haters hold on somebody's knocking at the door that means it's uh it's we're pausing for a second to receive and give mishloch manor hold on okay that was one of uh, elazar's friends yes uh, we did a an nice exchange 10 year old boy did, a, did the exchange did of the, the exchange mishloch manor okay great now so I, I was saying that we went to the old city that time and so i saw a lot of gentiles so there's all kinds of gentiles yeah. that live in the old city and i saw some that looked at me with joy mm-hmm. and i'm like you love it when Jews are strong, don't you? They're like, I could see it. And they're I wasn't happy, a, yeah. They're happy. And then I saw plenty of people who were like, And you're like, you okay, Shushanite. Because, because what happens on Purim is that things are revealed, right? And so I saw the heart. Mm, I saw the you heart. You saw the Amalek in there. <clears throat> Absolutely. But the reason I'm saying all this is because I want to give a shout out to uh, all the way to Alaska. Alaska? <clears throat> Brenda writes, Yishai, thank you for your podcast. I've been listening for over a year from Alaska. I really appreciate how welcoming you are to those that love the Bible but are not Jewish. Thank you for that. My heart belongs to Israel for sure. I love the pic of your website with you carrying a sidearm. I own a business <laughs> in Alaska teaching firearm, firearm instruction, especially for women, in the Alaska Concealed Ooh. Carry course. Oh, I want to go to the Alaska Concealed Carry course in Alaska. That's right. Ishai. Please come to Alaska. Bucket list. I would be delighted to have you at our range, though I am a Gentile. I started celebrating the, the high holy days in my little rural town of Nikis, oh no, Nick Nikiski, Nick, <laughs> Nick, Nick, <laughs> Nikiski, which is wow. which is uh, two years ago. I am a nurse wow. at our thirty bed hospital and work with two Jewish doctors who have led a bunch two of two gen- Jewish doctors in Alaska. There's more than one. Every one of them is named Fleischman. Okay, and. <laughs> And they have led a bunch of Gentile Alaskans in the celebration of Sukkot and Pesach. This year I will host two Pesach Seders. And I think the crowd of hospital co-workers will be so large I will need to rent a facility. Get out of here. As my home can only hold like 30 people. I've been so honored to facilitate these two doctors to return back to their Jewish roots as (laughs) things can be so busy in med school. Unbelievable. I traveled to Israel three years ago and have wanted to go back since. I traveled with an Arab tour guide who told me there was quote-unquote nothing to see in Hebron. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to see here. To see. <laughs> oh, look, what's that over there? Is that McDonald's? Okay. Look at that. I have a little piece of Palestinian porcelain to teach, sell you. Okay. Um, my friend and I had two free, two free days to travel independently, and we did not go to Hebron at the advice of our tour guide. I'm sorry for that decision. Parentheses from Yishai. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we're going to fix fault. it up. However, my friend and I will be returning to the Holy Land, God willing. Uh, soon, <laughs> we plan to be in uh, Hebron, etc. Yes, she gives you me come a date. Is there a possible way for you to give us a tour? Yeah, you bet. And then we'll and then and then we'll uh, we'll you know you give me you give me a, a gun tip, 
and I'll give you a tour. I'm sure you are on high demand. That's true. My friend finances our travels. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and she wants to be introduced to the history of Judaism. You got it. I'm hoping that this trip uh, to Israel will teach her to love the Jewish people in the Holy Land. Wow. That is a beautiful email. In any case, in any case. Uh, for Brenda. Uh, for Brenda in, in Alaska. Alaska. And so... Wow, Isha, can we please go visit her in Alaska? Of course, of course, of course. Uh, Nick Siki. Nick Oh, Siki. man, do I want to go there. Nick. Now I'm putting that on the bucket list. There you go, of course, Alaska. And we'll celebrate and and uh, and uh, we'll we'll see the bears and the whole thing. And seals. The, the seals, everything. But we can't eat the blubber, that blubber. No, we can't, can't eat the blubber. Eat the blubber. It's not yeah, but we can. But if there's salmons, but we can make chocolate that. and we could, uh, yeah. Anyway, all right, listen. I just wanted to say that there are people all over the world who are celebrating and I want you people out there, Jews, you know, this is a big holiday and everybody knows that. I want Gentiles to celebrate Purim today. This is a day How of, should they do that? Okay, I want you to to first thing there is type in poor music into YouTube. Nice, classic. You can get little songs in there. Right. Second thing, put on the background in YouTube the Megillat Esther. The the uh, not at the same time. No, not at the same time. Won't work, or it'll just sound really bad. I want you to eat a hamantash and I want you to eat a, a triangle cookie. Anything triangularly shaped is okay. That's right. Eat a triangle. If you have a cookie, cut it into a triangle. If you can't yeah, do it, yeah, just cut so it into you, a triangle. You got sandwiches. Yeah, make triangle. It to, that's right. Triangle sandwiches. Uh, this is in memory of uh, of uh, Haman's ears. We or should Heyman's make hat. triangle sandwich. Mishloch Manot. That's, that's right. And 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 most importantly, Pizza. Is I want you to, triangle. There you go. I want you to raise your glass more than anything. Raise your glass, and I hope you have a glass of wine from the land of Israel. I want you to raise your glass to um, uh, to the victory over over Amalek, and also to understand that this is part of the, a larger story. If you want the larger story, you have to understand the Book of Ezra. This is exactly during the time. That the Jewish people had started building the 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 temple, rebuilding the second temple. It was blocked by haters, uh, and it was Mordechai and Esther, Esther and Mordechai, who who understood where their role in history was. That they had to uh, 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 bring Jewish kingship back, kingdom kingship, dress as kings, uh, defeat Amalek, and then restart the building of the of the second Beit HaMikdash, as the prophecy said, the second temple. And so this is, this is in, in many ways, the, there's, there's, one, there's another hidden character in this whole thing, which is Yerushalayim. Mm, Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim is the, Yerushalayim, that's the hidden character. It's in, true. That's right. And it's really, and that's the only other city mentioned by name in the Megillah. Ah, the only other city mentioned. You're it's right. A, Yerushalayim. And it's about rebuilding of Yerushalayim. Oh, Yerushalayim. It's about that. That's that's what was being stopped. That's what was being. Re- that's what Mordechai and the 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 Christian movie that was made, right? The Esther movie. Esther, Esther Turner Classic Films. Right. That totally movie, worth seeing. That movie understands. They they understood that this is part of the Ezra. In the right. Chemia right. Trilogy. Ezra is a, is like a big rabbi. In right. That, and Nehemiah. Yeah, he's all ornery. Right. And they're all and about zealous for Jerusalem. That's exactly what he's and he's like, I'm going to Jerusalem yeah, at the end Esther, of the movie. Esther, turn a classic films, type it into YouTube, it's there. It's fabulous. Esther, watch Esther. Nice movie. Excellent. Okay, so there you go. These are tips for, for now. If anybody is listening to the show after Purim, I'm telling you now that Purim is uh yesterday, which was Wednesday in Israel, today, Thursday, Friday, and since it touches into Shabbat, you, you can have even more. So my point is, is that like Ooh, so like, much wonderful. That's Purim. right. So so there is Purim and and do drink responsibly, guys. Sure, you know, don't drink and drive. Uh, but uh, you know, we have a lot of but have fun. That. Drink yeah, exactly. Do drink though. Yeah, exactly. Say lechaim and get a little decentered and see God everywhere. Although some people just take a nap. That's right. Take a nap. You know I could I mean? use a nap. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. I mean, if that was like a way to fulfill mitzvahs. 
It's really great. All right, folks. I also want to thank the folks that make this show possible, uh, folks from um, uh, Prohibition Pickle. I hope that Chaim will be coming around today. He said he would. Uh, really? Yeah, and uh, and that would be great. So Chaim from Prohibition Pickle, check out his great stuff on, on Facebook and on uh, Instagram and send some of your favorite folks uh, a gift here in Israel of deliciousness. Delicious attitude. I'm salivating. Ooh, Swallow. I, um, I, I also want to, uh, of course... The, Wait, uh, I'm going to eat an Oznei Haman. Hang on. Go ahead, Amen. Amen. Okay. It's really good. Enjoy that. That is good-looking Oznei Haman with well, chocolate. I made them. They're good. You made some also with pie crust. Oh, my God. I love them. <laughs> anyway, so so that was really good. Chevron, uh, the Chevron Jewish community, which is uh, which celebrates both days. Okay, That's both fun. days. and um, With God's help, we'll go to <clears> Yerushalayim <throat> tomorrow. That's right. You're Hang slow. out with your mom. That's right. The Hebron Jewish community needs your support. Hebronfund.org. Uh, we keep Hebron strong. Keeping Hebron strong means keeping the forefathers and mothers strong, which means keeping the Jewish roots strong. It's like hair. You got to nurture the roots. Condition you know what I'm saying? It. That's right. You got to condition. That's exactly Scout what you're massage. doing. Here comes Leah with... Uh, with uh, uh, here's our kids. They brought they Mishloch Manot. Mishloch Manot from the, their wow. line. Wow. You kids want to get on the air just for a second here? Anybody want to say something? I don't want to say anything. Leah, your Oznei Haman are really good. Thank you. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> she you doesn't see, know they don't have to say. Okay. They're, yeah, they're, our kids are. God bless them. Full of, full of sugar. Really <clears> nice. Who else, mommy, do we want to thank? Thejewishpress.com for putting out great content. JNS.org. JNS.org. <laughs> yeah, that was Israel. That was his that was wise addition to the show. Thank you very much. Excellent job. Okay, and I want you, I also want to thank uh, uh, Brenda also. Um, don't 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 make too much noise. One second, we're almost done here. Brenda also sent a donation in through buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai. Ten pounds of seal blubber. We really, really appreciate it. <laughs> what? That is like a trading commodity in Alaska. Yeah. Well, what do you want to do with seal blubber? It keeps you alive. Because it's very high high in calories. That okay, Maki, that's good. Thank you very much. We're not Inuits. We're, we are First Nations though. Yeah. You better believe it. No, but First in Nations. seriousness, Brenda, thank you so much. I'm just making right, silly jokes right. on Purim. That's right. So, But thank you so much for, for your donation and for listening. And we really, there's so many people who are listening out there and we meet you every once in a while. First of all, there are people who are our friends who listen. That's just amazing. But every once in a while we meet people who are like, yeah, I listened to your show. I heard this. I heard that. And it's just so awesome. It's awesome to be connected to you. And it's awesome to be connected, all of us, to each other. And I really want to send my blessings and our family's blessings to your family and to you, wherever you are and whatever your situation is. And just know that Hashem is behind the scenes no matter what and setting up the scene for a great, epic redemption. And we just got to hang in there and we can do this together. Um, and we just love you so much and we bless you with the, the happiest holiday, this holiday and every just single day of your life, really. All right, folks. The show goes on right now. We have a, a very special treat. One of the one of the you know, just one of the most important intellectuals in Israel today uh, is Dr. Moshe Kopel. He's on right now. We're talking Purim. We're talking about Jewish sociology. We're talking about uh, I- I Ukraine and all the stuff there. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Also, thank you to Moshe Herman, Ben Bresky, Tabitha, Yochevet, and Lou for getting the show out to the world. God bless you guys. More great stuff is on the, is on the way, and we'll be right back. I haven't even drunk yet. I'm already sloshing my words. Makal Chaim. Chaim. Purim Sameach. Good Purim, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned to the show. Don't worry. The Ishai Flasher show will be right back, so stay tuned. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, and it is uh, the Fast of Esther. It's today, the, the day before Purim, and I'm recording here in beautiful Judea. 
Uh, and this is a day of reflection. You know, it's actually not a halachic imperative to fast on this day. It is a, a minhag. The Jewish people have, have accepted upon themselves that just as Esther prayed and prepared to, to face the king, uh, so too we have to pray and prepare. There's something also akin to Yom Kippur in all that, which is we're, we're about to kind of enter Purim, which is this high holiday uh, where we uh, let go of everything and yet still there's something very holy about it. So in order to get into the day of, of drinking and, 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 and revelry, at the same time, a little bit of seriousness uh, the day before. I'm, I'm sitting here in the office of Dr. Moshe Coppell, who whose office looks down the street towards the Temple Mount. And he is uh, the founding chairman of the Kohelet Policy Forum, which Haaretz, the far-left Israeli newspaper, calls the most successful initiative of the right, the nationalists, in the past decade, and which is widely regarded as Israel's most influential pro-Zionist, pro-free market think tank. Uh, this, is, um, this is the kind of organization that Knesset members turn to to get educated, that, that policy comes out of and then implemented later on by other people. Uh, Moshe Coppell is a professor emeritus of computer science at Bar-Ilan University and the author of over 100 articles in leading academic journals uh, on math, computer science, linguistics, law, economics, political science, and other disciplines. He is the founder, founding director of, of DICTA, a research institute devoted to developing tools on computational analysis of Jewish texts. So that's fun, right? So it's uh, the fusion of both uh, uh, math, computers, and Jewish texts, and you get a little bit of that when you go to uh, something like Safaria. Moshe Kapels is the author of three books on Jewish thought, most recently, Judaism Straight Up, Why Real Religion Endures, published by Koren, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Moshe Kapel, thanks so much for joining me today, or me joining you here in your office. Well, it's absolutely a delight to have you here, Yushai. Thanks for making the long trek out here. Yes, it's fabulous to, to be with you here. And, and your office really does look straight down onto the Temple Mount from Judea. I actually can sit in my office and see the Temple Mount, yes. Does that, does that inspire you sometimes do you, when, you, when, when you see it? Indeed it does. Indeed it does. On a clear day, you can see the glint of the dome. That's right. Uh, even actually, I've re- saw recently from this area, uh, indeed, even in these wintry days, I saw the, the glint of the dome of the dome of uh, the, the Golden Dome of the Rock. Uh, and the reason I ask you about that is because your, your organization, Kohelet, is um, it's, it's trying to bring Zionism back to Zion. We live in a, we live in a, in a time where one could, and my colleagues do, argue that we're living in a post-Zionist time where the state of Israel is oftentimes acting as a post or even anti-Zionist. Like some of my work at Hebron is that I have to somehow bypass, uh, hide away from, defeat, beat, and, and somehow cajole uh, the Jewish state to act Jewishly. Yeah, unfortunately, that is sometimes the case. I'm, I'm optimistic on the whole, but, but, uh, but the history of it is pretty straightforward. Um, Zionism initially was an attempt uh, to renew the Jewish nationalist spirit. But because uh, after 2,000 years of diaspora, uh, Jewish religion had uh, kind of focused on tradition, on religion, on religious belief, uh, on customs, and kind of de-emphasized the nationalist side because, uh, because we were, in fact, in the diaspora. So those who wished to revive you know, that nationalist spirit kind of jettisoned religion as part of it. So, you know, what you had was nationalism without religion. And that kind of held on for a while. It works for a generation or two. But then at some point, 
you know, if you've jettisoned the Jewish religion, uh, your Jewish nationalism kind of begins to, uh, you know, to ebb as well. And, and we're seeing the consequences of that. You, what you're seeing is a lot of, of secular Zionists or the children and grandchildren of secular Zionists who, who you know, are, some of them are returning to religion, but, but many of them who, who are staying secular are also losing that, that nationalist spirit. Mm-hmm. But there are countries that are nationalist, let's say Ireland, and it's not necessarily, or, or Denmark, and it's not necessarily um, connected to religion of any kind. Why does why do the Jews need? Well, it, that's a very different kind of nationalism. I mean, the the whole point is that Judaism is different, right? It's it, it's it's uh, it's unique in the sense that that uh, the Jews are both a nation and a religion. The t- the two are kind of wedded together. That and that is very unique. So, uh, in Judaism, at least, when when religion uh, begins to decline, uh, nationalism eventually will will follow, and that's what we've been seeing. So I. I mean, it, it's interesting to compare us to, uh, you know, to countries like, uh, you know, Scandinavian countries or, or to Ireland or something. But, but in the end, they're not quite analogous. Right. Uh, however, however uh, while you say they're not quite analogous, I find, and I'm constantly having to explain, that one of the pillars of the state of Israel is nation-stateness, nationalism. Okay? I find that American audiences, and we're going to get into that through your book as well, I find that American Jews don't understand that nationalism is a value. That ancient peoples living on their ancient land, it's okay, that's a good thing. And that speaking their language, and that it's, it's to the exclusion, to a large extent, not to total extent, of others. It's, it's a, yes, it's an, you could call it, they call, I say nationalism, they're like, you mean, you mean an ethno-state? I say no, nationalism can be broader than an ethno-state. You can have people who are with you in your national movement. But my point is, is that Denmark or Ireland or Japan or Armenia or a host of other countries, it's sometimes helpful to Americans to be like, hey, you know, there is another way. Nationalism is a good thing. And I find that Israeli Jews also don't know how to articulate nationalism. Your organization, Kohelet, went out and had to do something that you would think would never need to be done which is to help define the Jewish state as such as the Jewish state. That's the famous Nash, uh, uh, Jewish Israel nation state law. You were one of the proponents and, and major, major forces behind that. Uh, why did Israel need to be told that it's a Jewish state? Wasn't that obvious? Isn't that part of the DNA of the thing? Yeah, you would think it's obvious, but you know, unfortunately, it, it has become less and less obvious over the years. You need to understand something. Jews have been a persecuted minority for, for 2,000 years. And when Jews came to liberal countries like, like the United States, for example, so, so part of, part of this, this Jewish diaspora ethos was uh, to kind of show that they were inoffensive. You know, we're, yeah, we're just like everybody. We're just like everybody else. We're not threatening. Uh, yeah, that was kind of a defense mechanism that people accustomed to persecution would use. And they were forever tripping over themselves to show that they were inoffensive. They didn't want to stick out. They weren't, you know, they, if they're going to stick out, they're going to stick out like by creating Hollywood or something like that. Something extremely uh, benign. But the idea, the idea that, that Jews actually have their own national aspirations was something that they tried to avoid because they thought it would be threatening. And, and this, this, this kind of diaspora mentality pops up again and again and again. So, so here we are in Israel, you know, which was founded on the basis of, of Jewish nationalism. 
and uh, establishing a, a Jewish state with a Jewish flag in, in which the national language is Hebrew and the symbols are Jewish and so forth. And, and eventually, you know, that began to be threatened both from without other countries going, well, you know, the idea of a Jewish nation state is somehow a racist idea, right? The same people who... who the, the, the racist is the old word. Today, the word is supremacist. Supremacist. That's yeah, what supremacist. Even worse. All the right. So these people who regard this as supremacist, right, or racist or, you know, what, whatever bad word is current, right, they're in favor of, you know, a hundred other nation states in the world. And in particular, they're in favor of creating a Palestinian nation state right here where we're sitting, right? Because that's perfectly okay. But the Jews are not entitled to a nation state. Now, unfortunately, because of this kind of opposition, both outside of Israel and inside of Israel, it became necessary to actually legislate this. Now, you know, it's important to say what's in this law, because people, you know, uh, uh, tried, uh, you know, in, in attempting to represent this law as being something reprehensible, supremacist, racist, etc., uh, uh, they kind of imply that the law creates two different kinds of citizens, you know, Jewish citizens and non-Jewish citizens. All that is nonsense, okay? Uh, uh, the, the law does not relate in any way to the rights of individuals in Israel, which are, in fact, completely equal between Jews, non-Jews, and any other group you, you might have in mind. Everybody has the same civil and political rights in Israel. The, the law is about what's the flag? What's the national language? What are the national symbols? What is the national calendar? That Shabbat is the day of rest in Israel, okay? These are the kinds of things that are in the law. They are completely unobjectionable. Uh, there's, there's very little in there that's very specifically um, religious in character. There's not a word about the official rabbinate of Israel or anything like that. It's all about the kind of, of symbols, calendar, language that make Jews in Israel sufficiently comfortable Right in their own skins, right? They just they just feel like, hey, this is home. The whole thing is just trying to make them feel home, nothing more. Uh, and yet, and yet, a lot of people uh, I think still have a hard time verbalizing that. And that I think partially one of the one of the sins was the lack of teaching of that simple verbalization. Yes, Israel's the Jewish nation state. And using all kinds of other things, and and what came in the '90s was this new terminology of Jewish and democratic, which is mathematically correct, right? We are Jewish and democratic, but but it's actually, but it's in reality, it's not correct because what they mean when they say Jewish and democratic is they mean not Jewish nation state, they mean a way to undermine the Jewishness of the Jewish state. Right. Well, well, technically, Jewish and democratic are actually not parallel because Jewish is like a substantive thing. In other words, that this is what the state is going to be like, whereas democratic is uh, the procedures by which things are decided, right? Now, these, these two things are actually, you know, not, not on parallel tracks, right? You, you need to have rules for, for deciding things, and the idea is in a democratic state, it is the people who decide things through their representatives uh, you know, in, in, in the Knesset, right? Now, now uh, Israel actually suffers a democracy deficit because, um, because, in fact, it's, it's actually not the Knesset that decides things. In fact, over here, it's, it's a, a small group of elites who sit in the Supreme Court who actually decide everything. So, so if we want to make Israel more democratic, and we should, then we should actually be, be giving more power to the, to the Knesset and taking away from the courts. Now, in terms of it being Jewish, well, that can't conflict with democratic as long as that's what the people want, right? If, if the people uh, and their representatives have, have voted into law 
certain things that make Israel a, uh, a, a Jewish nation state, all of which, as I said, are inoffensive and do not in any way impinge on anybody's civil or political rights, well, then there's no conflict between democratic and Jewish. So as you say, people are actually using this phrase as a rhetorical device to bludgeon those who actually want to have some Jewish substance in the country. And in fact, they're redefining democratic as being something not procedural but substantive. They're saying, oh, oh yeah, yeah, democratic in the substantive sense, this is a term made up by, by Justice Aaron Barak, in the substantive sense means that, you, you know, that religion can't be, you know, can't bother people too much, that Jewish nationalism can't, can't come and get in the way too much. Mm -hmm. So... You've written this book, which is, uh, it's, it's, I think its point is to make uh, Judaism make sense in terms of a system of why, why it perpetuates and how it perpetuates and why, why, you know, why it's necessary and needed today. I think that's the point of the book. But what I found that the book had, had more humor and interest for me especially is the sociological you, you, you made up characters, these characters. They seem like they're not even made up characters. They're just maybe renamed characters or, or a combination of a few characters. Uh, you know, like, 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 you know, I've like, like many, I can, I can take a lot of Arabs that I've met and made, make, you know, make them, make them speak in one way. Uh, and that's what I feel like you've done. And these characters are, um, how should I say, they're very rich. You, you, really, you really created these characters that I recognize as people. I want to read a little bit uh, from, from actual passages that describe it to people. So the first character is Heidi. And here's what you write about Heidi. Heidi and her friends share similar academic and professional backgrounds, especially political views. But these similarities are mostly defined by what, def defined by, by what they are not. Heidi's crowd is not held together by kinship or ethnicity or by shared history or by a rich system of social norms. It is held together to a large extent by the disdain with which it regards the norms that it rejects, the other guys. Shimon, this is the second character, this is a, a Gera Chassid, uh, and he has indeed a very rich, here it is, he says, you say, Shimon, on the other hand, does share a rich system of social norms with his compatriots. As a result, he can walk into a Ger Shtibel this means a, a Hasidic synagogue anywhere in the world, and find people who remember his family, who share friends and acquaintances with him, who speak his dialect, who know what he knows, who understand what he needs, who exchange just the right kinds of stories and jokes, and who do business with him on the basis of a handshake and a nod. Heidi can walk into a progressive conclave and find people who share with her a passion for fair trade coffee and a fear of Republicans. Ouch, there's a, there's a, there's a sting there, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> in case it wasn't clear who right who my favored character is in this in this story. Yes, Shimon 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 is my alter ego. Uh, he's uh, he, he represents somebody who not only respect tradition but but kind of lives in a traditional world. So that it kind of a tradition for him is not is not something that he kind of made some ideological decision to follow. It's, it's just his life, right? He just lives a traditional life. Uh, and, and I really like him. He, he basically uh, was one of my grand... He's a real character, by the way, as you noticed. He, he, was, he was my grandfather's best friend, and, and he and my grandfather like lived in this little world of people just like them, Eastern European refugees from very traditional homes who came to America and built new lives 
after the Holocaust. And, um, and, and I just love these guys. You know, they're, they're, there's just something about them that's really authentic. They could afford to be authentic. They didn't need to run around proving to anybody that they were authentic because they were just so authentic, right? So, so there was just something very, very natural about the way these guys practiced, you know, their, their own traditions. And, and Heidi, Heidi is this ideologue, you know, like she's, she's, she's forever deciding what needs to be done and running out and doing it and saving the world in and, and, and all these bizarre liberal ways that, you know, that, that, that people sometimes do. And, uh, and as a result, she, she lives in a very, very thin community, which is the point that I was bringing out in that, that pr- pretty nasty passage you read. Yeah, and, 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 and then you also talk about her daughter. You say shortly after uh, this is uh, uh, this is uh, Amber. That's right. She goes shortly after she and Serge married, and a year before they split up, Heidi gave birth to their daughter Amber. Amber is now a student at Oberlin. That's a, a thin hint there. Okay, majoring in colonial and environmental studies. She rarely acknowledges her Jewish roots, other than to occasionally begin remarks hostile to Judaism or Israel with the words "as a Jew." <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, I I one of my jokes is that uh, is that there is another Judaism out there. It's called my Judaism. It's this other form. It's this other thing. But you always know when it is when they say my Judaism says X, not right. Judaism says X, but right. my yeah. So my right. as a Jew, my my right. as a Jew is a version of your my Judaism. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you really contrast these characters, uh, and one of the things I think that you're trying to bring out is that is that a traditional life geared and tested by modernity. Right, which is another passage later on, which you're basically like, it's not like these things are all faith. It's not. They are. They are. They. They. They have to find a way to kosher food. You, you got to find a way for it to work in, within modernity. Right. They're tested through the passage of time. Yeah, it's 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 more than just that. The 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 point that I was making here is that Shimon's tradition works, and the reason that it works is that he got it from his parents who got it from their parents, and it didn't stay the same, right? It, it slowly adapted as the circumstances in which they lived changed. And as a result, what you have here, what you have here is a very highly evolved, a very highly evolved form of religion, right? It's one, it's one that's been tested by time, not just by modern times, but by, it's, it's been tested over millennia, so that it has always, it's found its mechanisms for adapting, it found it, its way to survive, right? And, and what, um, what, what the point I was bringing out with Heidi and Amber, the reason I needed two generations there, is because uh, I, I wanted to show how, you know, Heidi being a typical uh, end of the millennium liberal, right? Yeah, I'm kind of sympathetic to her, right? I mean, these are people that I that I grew up with and that I know. You, and, and you, there's a sense that you're sympathetic to all the characters. You, 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 it's, well, except it's for not, Amber. Except for even Amber, Amber like uh, like you understand. I I, I I felt that you weren't totally like ripping them like you would on on cable TV in America. You know, right, right. No, no. You, they were people. No, I tried to get into her head. That's the point. Yeah. So, so, so Heidi, Heidi is is like a typical old-fashioned liberal who wants to do the right thing, right? She's and she's not trying to shut people down. That's not her thing. She she just thinks that you know guys like Shimon are just old-fashioned and useless, and and she kind of has it all figured out. And and my main objection to her is a little humility wouldn't hurt. Right. Okay. And that's how you end the book. Right. right. 
Exactly. It's the point I'm making. The difference between Shimon and Heidi is is just that it's humility. Heidi thinks, let's figure it out, right? We're big experts. We've got all these experts. We've got economists. We've got psychologists. We got who needs? We don't need tradition. We don't need Shabbat to tell us how to how to rest. We've got we've got psychologists and sociologists, you know, and we, and we don't right all of this stuff. We, we we don't need old kosher rules, right? We've got we've got people who understand, you know, biochemistry and dietitians and all that. And let's just, you know, we'll figure it all out. And, and my point there is, no, you got it wrong because society is too complicated to figure it all out. That's my, that's my argument with her. But then I say, but there's something else you don't understand, okay? You've got nothing to pass down to your kids. And now what you get while Heidi came from a traditional background and rebelled against it, but she didn't realize how much she really depended on it. It was like kind of a silent anchor for her, right? There's so many things she just took for granted that were really based in traditional society, and then she kind of rebelled against that and kept what she kept without realizing it and you know, kind of rebelled very loudly against the other stuff. But Amber had no tradition to you know, rely on. And what she did is she actually reinvented religion, right? My Judaism. I mean, my Judaism. But, it's, but it's, she doesn't even call it Judaism. It's a whole new woke religion. And the point is, you know, for her, you know, she's got the, the icons of environmentalism, but mainly she's got the, you know, the bad guys, right? You know, like the Hamans and the Pharaohs of, of her religion, right? Or anybody that's actually preserving traditional values. And she's going to shut those people down, right? I mean... The, 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 she she is really on a religious crusade, but the difference is that unlike Shimon's traditionalism, which is rooted in two thousand years of you know slowly adapting, right, while keeping the core, Amber is just winging it, right. So she she's got this whole new religion, and because it has not gone through this crucible, right, of, of being kind of honed into something that people could live with, she is actually. She is actually scary. She's dangerous, right? She, she, she wants to get people jailed. She wants to get people silenced, and that's that's what frightens me about it. Your your family comes from Eastern Europe. Mine comes from Eastern Europe also, but especially from Russia. Like when you say these things, I know what that Judaism leads to. It leads to a communism that sends you to jail and sends you to the gulag and shoots you in the back of the head. Like it's not these these things are. It's not you know what I'm saying. You're saying it in a lighthearted way, but. These things can become, these ideas, a newfangled version of a messianic process, which was what communism was. Right. Oh, I, I make the connection between Amber and communism explicitly uh, in, in the book. That's, a, that's exactly what I'm worried about, is that, that Amber is, is actually bringing us just a, you know, a modern day uh, communism. Yeah, and, and the, the, the unrootedness, that's right, the unrootedness. Uh, it leads to a constant change, a constant. There's, there's no. There's, I never heard that term, silent anchor. Is that a, is that an American idiom? I never heard is that. Or did you make that up? Silent yeah, anchor. Yeah, made that up. I like that. Silent anchor. That's I, right. I, I, I don't. I don't think I'm the first to use it, but yeah. But for the purposes of the it's, book, it's a powerful idea. There are things that sometimes we we take for granted, but they're part of our psyche and of our society. They're silent anchors. They live there. Uh, certainly, just just. For what I do in life, which is Hevron, it's like there's a silent anchor for our peoplehood, this thing. And so many people just want to just relinquish it. I do want to read a passage here. That, 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 and the book is, and I'm saying this, I hope uh, Moshe doesn't hear me, written very well. You know, no mistakes, very excellent language. He says, but even for Shimon, the substance of this belief has to conform to the experience of the world. 
that's what I was saying before, which is that, that Moshe's argument is that, that this is time-tested. This is even truer for those who, unlike Shimon, prefer to think more concretely of the claim that Judaism is a uniquely viable process. As I've argued throughout the book, Jewish tradition has indeed proven itself, proved itself to be viable over millennia. It is well adapted to human moral intuitions, carefully balancing the universal and particular flavors of morality. It strikes a balance between living oral tradition and a written tradition of analysis and codification. If you had to bet, if you had to bet on the viability of one culture, and by the way, you do, you, well, let's get back to that in a minute. You could do worse than putting your money on the Jews. I very much doubt that you could do better. And then you quote Mark Twain, this is, the, and I have to read it just because if there's any opportunities to quote this quote, it's always important to do so. In the words of Mark Twain, the Egyptian, the Babylonian, and the Persian rose filled the planet with sound and splendor, then faded to dream stuff and passed away. The Greek and the Roman f- followed and made a vast noise, and they are gone. Other peoples have sprung up and held their torch high for a time, but it burnt out, and they sit in twilight now or have vanished. The Jew saw them all, beat them all, and is now what he always was, exhibiting no decadence, no infirmities of age, no weakening of his parts, no slowing of his energies, no dulling of his alert and aggressive mind. All things are mortal but the Jew. All other forces pass, but he remains. Now, that's an amazing quote, and there's a lot to talk about there, but let me ask you what, why you wrote that you have to bet on the viability of one culture. Why should you bet? Why is that important? Okay, well, for, first of all, I, I do have to say that I... It's always a danger to quote Mark Twain at length in in your own book because most of your book has no quotes. Most yeah. of your book is 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 its own. Uh, right. It's not a book of. It's not one of these business idea books where they quote quote quote. Right. No. 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 This no is but all- my my point is though. I wish I could write like Mark Twain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you put in a paragraph of Mark Twain, and it just makes everything. The paragraphs before and after it seem so blah. You know, <laughs> my God, I wish I could write like Mark Twain. Well. Anyway, so but but. But to your point, right, your point was that I kind of in this parenthetic remark said, Yeah, you insinuated you know, that you have to bet on a culture. Why? You do have to bet on a culture. Why? Why is well, that a big deal? You know, if think I'm about a, it. Yeah. Think about it. What gives your life meaning, okay? What gives your life meaning, right, is that you are part of something larger than yourself, right? You, you have a family, you have a community, and you're doing good deeds, right, or working on projects, right, that are going to outlast you, right? They're going to live on. They're going to live on within, within some community, right? Now, that, that community is usually a community that, that has shared values. It's not just people who happen to live on the same block or in the same housing project, right? Now, now when I say you do, what, what I'm saying is you need, you need for your life to have meaning. Everybody needs that. It's just a basic human need. And the way that that is expressed is in a family, and in a community that will outlive you. So you are betting on the viability of your community. If your community was going to break up and disappear tomorrow, your life would, would lose its meaning, right? So you're betting. You're betting on their success. So it, that's important. You know, Moshe Kapel, the non-Jewish people who are listening to this show, they, many of them, want to plug in. They sense what you just said. And so in the last few weeks, I've been reading emails from people from far-flung places, you know, in all kinds of woodland places in Canada and other places, who just write to me and say, I've started keeping Shabbat. 
I've started, I'm starting to, I, I need to plug into Israel. I want to plug into Israel. And then there are people like Katie Hopkins, uh, you know, this, this British uh, you know, commentator who said to me once at a conference, she said, you know, uh, we're looking to you guys because we're losing our grip on our country, England in her case. And, and it's, like, it's like you guys, you know, we, we're, we're all looking towards you. We want to, and that's the old Christian terminology of being grafted in. It's like, it's like there's, there's, a, there's people who do sense that, and they sense also in, in this moment where I wouldn't be the first person to say that there's an American decline. And there's a whole world that, that, that lives off America. I was in Australia, and I realized how much Australia lives off America. Um, and my point is, is that people are, they sense that their, you know, uh, fascination with, with sports or other American-type things is, is dwindling, and it's meaningless. And they're trying to plug in. They're trying to plug into the Bible. They're trying to plug into God. And, and with that, Israel. What do you think? Well, the fact of the matter is that everybody is looking for for a viable society and even know, even millennials even even young people today are well, they conscious of that maybe not yet but but you know as they as they get older they're going to discover that that's something that that they that they either are happy they have or they wish they had and um uh you know you look at israel you, you know one of the things that's unique about israel this is just a purely a statistical fact okay it is the only the only western country in which women who self-define as secular are still having children at above replacement level. It is the single Western country in the whole world, okay? Now, most, most Western countries in the world are actually below, below replacement level, below 2.05 children per woman, okay? Is, Israel is at about three, which is pretty healthy. But but the interesting thing is if you if you look at religious communities around the world they are generally having they are generally having well above replacement level the problem is 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 women who self define as secular and Israel is is unique in that respect so that that just is excuse me that that's just one example but we're talking about a lot more if you look at at, at statistics on suicide for example which are going up all over the Western world not in Israel okay. Um, all of this is because another question, you know, that Israelis answer on all these value surveys is, does your life have meaning? Do you feel you're leading a meaningly li- uh, meaningful life? And the answer in Israel is, is yes, in much higher percentages than it is in other places. All this is because we are, A, a very traditional people. Even those who are against tradition are kind of, you know, they, they, they've got that, God-shaped gap in their psyches, right? Oh, you, you know, know that guy Seidman, the, this this guy's hard left. He toured Nancy Pelosi, and I wrote some very mean tweet against him, and he wrote back to me something, and he finished up with Shabbat Shalom, <laughs> you know. So you know he's he and and you know he's a avowed you know he says Israel's an apartheid state and all that, but Judaism yeah. is important to him, right? So so that that really that really is important. You know, we can we can argue about politics uh, from within a traditional religious point of view, and I'm okay with that. Not everybody has to agree with my political views. I mean, my views are, are strongly held, make no mistake about it. And I think that those people who are disagreeing with me, who are anti, um, you know, anti-Zionist and so forth, are, are badly mistaken, okay, and sometimes doing really horrible things. But nevertheless, as long as we can agree that we are part of the Jewish people and respect Jewish tradition, right? I'm willing to have that argument. I see hope 
I see hope for our joint future, right? And that's, that's really, really important. When you see people who've, who've given up, who've given up on religion, who've given up on tradition, on, on their customs and so forth, and, and, and are just kind of left out there floating or, or trying to use science to solve problems of, of meaning and value, it's, it's a very sad thing. So if Israel is serving as an example to the world on this, well, you know what? That's, that's not only a great honor, it's a great responsibility, and, and I hope we're up to it. Mm. The book is called Judaism Straight Up, uh, Why Real Religion Endures. Interesting that you didn't say why real Judaism endures. You said why real religion endures, because I think maybe there's a prescriptive element here and not just, not just an explanation of or, or, or the section of Judaism, but rather tradition as a, as a way. And I think that you would appreciate, like, for example, when I bumped into uh, a custodian in, in the hotel that I was in, in Orlando, and he showed me with pride how he knows the Bible and how he's passing on to his children. And he said to me proudly, my children go to church, so do my grandchildren. Like, I felt at that, and this was the irony of the ages. I'm like, good, we're together, right? Like, you're, you keep, you have tradition. So I think that's why you called it that. And interestingly, it's... Um, it's published by, by Magid, and you have some great folks here uh, who, who uh, give you uh, accolades, which is, uh, for example, Pro- Professor Amon and Ben Shapiro, so a lot, of, a lot of good folks. So congratulations on that. I want people to check out Judaism straight up. Now that we're here, though, for the, just the last two, three minutes, um, Israel is in. There, there's a moment out here. There's a moment out here. And it could very well be that next week, this time, will either be at, you know, the aggression will stop, Putin will find a way to, to sign a, some kind of peace deal with Zelensky. Zelensky will uh, uh, declare neutrality and, and, you know, and, and, and Putin will have showed his thing. The, the West's economic boycotts will recede and, and come back and people in Poland will start listening to Tchaikovsky again and it'll be okay. You know, they, they've banned listening to Russian music in Poland, okay? That's how, that's how far gone the, the cancel culture has, has, uh, has, has proliferated. We could also see a situation where a tactical nuke goes off uh, somewhere over there in that vast uh, flatland of Ukraine, uh, and and NATO rushes in these jets from Poland, wherever it is, and 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 this whole region starts to become a completely different uh, different place. So I, now I don't usually talk that way. Okay, I don't usually say we're like on the, but it could, it could, and and it's it and it's there's uh, enough global pressure around here, and there's all these uh, like for example, I read in Forbes that some trillion dollars of of Chinese value in American American stocks of Chinese companies was erased off the boards like last week. So there are there are things here that are not. There's not a small local altercation. There's something going on here. So I wanted to ask you, give me a little bit of perspective on 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 Ukraine. Uh, Russia, and then the strange magnetism that constantly is drawing Israel into the sphere, which is like almost like a non-understandable. Like, what do we have to do with the Slavic War? And people like, get angry at me when I say call it a Slavic War. Uh, but but there's some some magnetism. Is it Gillette, Zelensky's a Jew? Is it that there's many Jews there? Is it our relationship with with Russia? All these things. Tell me tell me how you see the that 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 conflict and its kind of magnetism of Israel into it. Yeah, uh, the uh, which way this is going to play out, you know, I don't know any better than anybody else does. It's really hard to see, but as you point out, it's it's really a tinderbox. I mean, this this could blow up or it could blow over, right? And and I really I really don't know. I just I just know that we 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 need to be very cautious about this. Now, in terms of Israel getting involved as as a mediator between, so 
there were two mysteries about this. The first is why Israel would want to put itself in that position. You know, as somebody said to me, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I could think of a few things that could possibly go wrong, okay? That's number one. And then the question is, why would the Russians and the Ukrainians, right? I mean, of all the possible mediators in the world, why would Naftali Bennett be the guy that they would be turning to? I have no idea. I, I have the feeling that this is connected to, to other issues that are not being talked about. Uh, one of which is is the Iran deal, right? Renewing the already horrible Iran deal, except this time making it even worse. Where you know, essentially, if we're not going to be getting cheap cheap oil from Russia, let's get cheap oil from Iran. Uh, that sounds like a really horrible idea as well. So, so I, I would say at the moment I am. Cautiously pessimistic, but um, uh, does it does does this prove once again that whenever stuff happens, Jews, whether they like it or not, are kind of pulled into the center of things because that's just part of some grand divine plan that I don't understand. Could be. <laughs> I thought to myself, maybe this is like the Megillah. Like, look, look, we're at the party. See, we're at the party. See, we're always showing up at the party. Here we are. <laughs> you know, and there's some kind of tendency of the Jewish people to want to be at the party or to get drawn into the party one way or the other. Uh, lastly, uh, Purim, here we are. Um, your, your book is a, is a, your book, Judaism Straight Up, is in some ways a rationalization of Judaism without, without being godless. It's not godless, but it is irrational. I would say that your computer science aspect of your of your thinking is you could see it through it. Uh, but but Esther, the book of Esther, while it has great political lessons, is also the book of hidden revelation, right? It's it's like there is revelation, but it's it's hidden. It's obvious, and yet it's not there. I think that term comes back to me: silent anchor. I really like that term. Uh, that does the silent anchor. So I know that you um, for many years held court here. Uh, on Purim. So tell me, tell me one last thought about Purim before uh, we go. Okay, I, I I love Purim, as you point out, and 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 the theme that runs through Purim is exactly that. Oh, things are not as they appear, right? And and that's why the idea is on Purim we we put on costumes and and we drink wine so that you know we we get high, and and what it really is all about is authenticity, right? So part of the putting on the masks is really taking off the masks right it, it's it right. by like people get dressed up to what they really to are. what they really are right right i always i always dress up as a chassid on 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 purim so you might not be surprised to hear that but but the uh, there's there's the whole the whole thing is really about authenticity and what's actually going on behind the masks so the story is about is about god's intervention behind the mask of of you know natural events and Purim is about putting on a mask in order to show our authentic selves, the ones that are usually hidden by our natural masks, right? So that's what it's all about. And so I, 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 I wish everybody that Purim should be a moment in which we all, we all return to our true selves, our authentic selves. Amen. Moshe Kapel, Dr. Moshe Kapel is a professor of computer science at Bar-Ilan University. Is that emeritus now? That's emeritus. I am now emeritus. Now and now emeritus. Uh, he's the founder and director of Kohelet Policy Forum, uh, author of many articles, and is the author of Judaism Straight Up: uh, Why Real Religion Endures. Put out by Magid, and you can get you can get it on Amazon and other places. 
And at Market. Yeah. And at Market, of course. Corin Publishers. Corin Publishers. Okay, they publish a lot of, uh, you know, straight, to- like, like uh, you know, uh, Torah books. Uh, but also their imprint, Magid, puts out a lot of interesting thoughts, including, I think, um, uh, Rabbi Sachs and, and others. And uh, you are, your, your, your books are amongst theirs. That's, that's pretty good stuff. God bless you, Moshe Kapel, and happy Purim. Thank you so much. Same to you, Ishai. Ishai needs coffee and vodka. Please help support the show by buying Ishai coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Ishai. Thank you and Lechaim. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show. So great to be hanging out with Maka Fleischer for Purim, with you wherever you are, with uh, Dr. Moshe Kopel. So much fun. So many special people in, in our lives. You guys are the specialist of them all. Wherever you are, we're sending you our blessings. Uh, please write me an email, yishaiyishaifleischer.com. Hope to see you here in the land of Israel on your, uh, on your trips and on your tours and in your prayers and in your heart. Uh, be part of the story by also going to yishaifleischer.com. Check out all the other content there and go to the donate page if you want to be part of the big projects. And if you want to be part of the show and the small projects, check out uh, Yishai, no, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai. Those are ways to help. But let's just pray for one another today. Let's pray for each other's great victories. Let's pray for overcoming Amalek and for the rebuilding of the land of Israel. We're living in an unbelievable, unprecedented, I mean, it was precedented 2,000 years ago, but since then, we have not lived in such an amazing rebirth of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. It's something that, 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 that our forefathers and mothers dreamt about and prayed about, and it's happening in our time. Purim has everything to do with it. And there are many forces, there are many Amalekite forces out there today because they sense the grandeur, the holiness, the great moment that is at hand, and they're out there trying to block it. We are part of the generation that's going to get through that Amalekian challenge. You are a part of it. Don't think you're just a listener. You are an empowered person to be part of that fight. I want to wish you lots of blessings. Shabbat Shalom and good Purim from Judea and Shalom. Hey everybody, this is Jeremy Gimpel. Have you heard about the Land of Israel Fellowship? People from all over the world, 24 countries, have joined. We meet live every Sunday, and the video session is recorded and then broadcast to all the members. And it's an exclusive group. It's a group that's focused on learning. We're focused on praying together. We're focused on growing together. And it has been one of the biggest blessings in my life. And we have people from New Zealand to Australia, Alaska, Hawaii, Hong Kong, Jews, Christians. We have a Buddhist. We have one Muslim that's joined. We have people from so many different backgrounds, languages, and cultures. And we are literally creating a virtual house of prayer for all nations. And it is truly marvelous. And so if you want more information about that, please visit www.thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship. And I would love to see you next Sunday.